Okay, welcome everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Baseball Experience Podcast, the number one baseball podcast for exciting and passionate fan debate and opinion regarding the game, its strategies, statistics, philosophies, rules, and more. I'm your host, Cody, and today we are bringing you another special episode. I'm here with my good friend, Ben Reed, and he's been gracious enough to join me today to discuss some baseball. Uh, So Ben, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Sure thing. Uh, First off, thanks for having me, Cody. Um, Longtime fan for as long as the podcast has been around anyway. Grew up in a small town outside of Dayton, Ohio. You know, played the game growing up like most uh, most kids my age and uh, watched the game as well. Fan of the Cincinnati Reds professional club. And uh, yeah, the love affair with the game has been a been a part of my life every summer, every spring. Fewer uh, (laughs) fewer falls than I would like, but um, certainly hoping for some more uh, October appearances in years to come. Sure. So I want to give a quick story about Ben before we get into the main content of our show, uh, because Ben is actually one of the original inspirations for me wanting to do this podcast. Uh, it's because of Ben and our discussions on the side outside of the realm of this podcast that, uh, I've been somewhat inspired to take on this project and, basically realized just how much I love talking about baseball and it's always been so easy and along with that my time in college on road trips uh, was always one of my favorite things and certainly with the many hours on the road it was a great way to pass the time. When I was first contemplating this project I was at a game with Ben and we were talking about it and I had asked him if he thought I could be a baseball announcer or broadcaster and basically said no (laughs) didn't really see that one happening and then I mentioned the idea of okay well what do you think about a podcast and I think he was still a little on the fence but here we are Uh, I'm happy to be going through this uh, and happy to have you on the show I couldn't be more excited but it's those discussions even even that uh, that make me excited to take on this project and continue having these discussions, uh, especially with one of my best friends. So, uh, Ben, what do you want to start off with? Oh, well, first off, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the anecdote there. I certainly don't remember not expressing support, but, uh, shame on, shame on past me (laughs) for that one. But again, yeah, to, uh, uh, to your invitation, thank you uh, for having me here. And what I'd like to talk about today, since uh, you gave me the, uh, great honor of choosing, choosing today's topics, uh, I wanted to discuss the popularity of the game, um, specifically Major League Baseball. What uh, the current state and potential where we might think popularity in the future uh, might go. Two factors into this that I want to kind of want to discuss are going to be the kind of cornerstones of my argument: are offense within the game and the length of the game itself. If that sounds acceptable to you, you can open for or allow me to begin with opening arguments and we can go from there. Absolutely. Go ahead. Fantastic. The offense uh, will will be the first thing that I want to talk about. I think with any sport, a fan is going to crave offensive, at least capability, if not production. And I think both have been kind of lacking in the game of baseball lately. I don't want to get too bogged down with statistics and some of the the metrics that that are popular these days. But one that that I will use is the uh, baseballs in play stat, if you're familiar. Uh, which is the sum of at-bats, sacrifice fly, and bunts, and then you subtract from that the sum of home runs and strikeouts. Basically, the larger that number, 
the more excitement, if you will, the more baseball is kind of a, a way I would look at that or the way the way I would interpret it, more fun for the fan. That number has been decreasing over the last 10 years, mostly because of that second part of the equation, the home runs and the strikeouts. Both of those numbers have been increasing, and uh, interestingly, two years ago in 2018, the uh, number of strikeouts for the uh, recorded for Major League Baseball exceeded the number of uh, home runs for the first time. So uh, these, these statistics I'm referencing came from baseballreference.com, by the way. And home runs have been, again, like I mentioned, both of these have been increasing. Uh, home runs steadily since 2009 in uh, uh, about 500 more per season now than we were seeing 10 years ago. And strikeouts uh, have increased a much more at a much more dramatic rate. So in 2009, for instance, there were 33 and a half strikeouts, uh, 33 and a half thousand strikeouts for the season. And now we're, or at least in last season, we we're just shy of 43,000, which is uh, much more significant, 25% versus versus 10 for the home runs. I see that as a bit of a problem for for the viewer. I personally don't want to go to a game and just watch guys get blown away or just hit it over the fence. And I think that's kind of where the game is going. And it's been less interesting for me. And I think, prob- I, I can't obviously speak for every fan in America, but I think that it would be kind of a similar reaction. Do you have any, uh, any thoughts to that? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. I think the strikeout issue is a huge problem. Uh, it greatly pisses me off because... Strikeouts are not exciting, except in the few cases where you have elite pitchers who are, you know, those aces that are going to dominate the game and that you know that's a part of what you're going to see. But now it's just so commonplace and it makes me so angry because as a player, I hate striking out. It's not only is it a terrible feeling, but you did nothing positive for the game you know, or for your team rather. And so I can't, I can't stand it. And I hate the fact that this is something Major League Baseball is okay with, that the organizations are totally cool with their players striking out as long as they hit 30 to 40 bombs a year. I think that's totally crazy. It really drives the excitement down. And I can see why nowadays you hear people say, oh, baseball is boring. Yeah, because nothing is happening. A strikeout isn't fun to watch, with the exception of those elite pitchers where, yes, they are so great that you're in for something special when they are blowing people away, but it's a matter of their actual talent and dominance over those batters as opposed to a strategy that's been implemented league-wide to sell out on pitches to go for the home run every time, which we know historically, looking outside of the steroid era anyway, home run hitters always had lower averages, lower contact rates, Yes, they had the home runs, but the strikeouts were extra high. And now we're seeing that again in a league that is supposedly cleaned up from PEDs and now has shifted into this different kind of mentality where we're selling out on the home run. And then lo and behold, you know, you get other factors that are popping up these days with issues on the baseball. And and now we have launch angle and all that. I don't want to call it garbage, but anyways, it's just kind of ridiculous and the game is certainly, it's definitely changed, and games will do that. I don't think any, any game stays static uh, for so long. You're going to lose interest at some point, I think, unless it's just so great. But I don't really agree with that mentality or strategy that the teams are implementing. 
I'm glad, uh, yeah, glad to hear you say that. I, I, I would like to get more or have more data available on what, what a baseball fan would feel, but to me, currently, it seems pretty binary, like in that bat. It's, or at least that, that's the objective, you know. Swing, swing hard if it goes over the fence, great. You know, if, uh, and if you strike out, that's acceptable. I don't want to see that, kind of like what we already talked about. You know, the baseball's in play number, like I said, I think that kind of relates to, to the viewing experience or correlates to that viewing experience. And, uh, you know, for me, watching a game, on, whether it be on television or going to a baseball stadium or a baseball park and watching, um, having base runners and seeing doubles and, uh, you know, sacrifices, bunts, you know, steal attempts, those things are all are really, really fun. And I think that's kind of getting lost in the way that teams are, you know, building their rosters around, you know, power hitters and the kind of the mentality that uh, of, uh, of that strategy. So that's stuff that, that frustrates me. And I'm going to, I assume, the rest of America because I think we're seeing a kind of a stagnation in baseball's popularity. And strikeouts, you know, being that, uh, that, that other factor in addition to the refusal or acceptance of not wanting to play small ball. So why are strikeouts going up, I guess, is kind of kind of my question. A, f- a few more, a little more digging. I've found a couple of, uh, couple of small things, but one that, one that I found interesting is pitching strategies for, for clubs. So the average starting pitcher from last season is going to pitch about five and a third innings. And then from that point, we, we see the, the bullpen strategy implemented. Relief pitchers coming in to face individual batters, um, you know, obviously to the, to the advantage of the defense, shift implements and all that, all those sorts of things that you've already touched on in some earlier episodes. I don't want to belabor that too much. A lot of these things are uh, leading to difficulty for the offense in making production and getting on base and seeing base runs. And the things that I already mentioned, I find exciting. So I find it frustrating. Not that teams are implementing a strategy on defense that is successful because, you know, if guys are scoring like fewer runs, then your team, your team wins, and that's ultimately the uh, the objective of the game, right? But to the viewer, I find it less fun. And for the second reason that I kind of wanted to talk about, not only that uh, we're seeing less offense, but also all these pitching changes and whatnot are slowing down the game. And I think that's another big factor in the, in the popularity discussion. It is, and I think that's a big reason why they've decided to come out with that rule change of the three batter minimum. We don't know if it's going to solve the problem. It's at least a step in the right direction, I think, because if anything, one of the least favorite things I like watching is a pitching change, whether it's at the game or at home. There's nothing going on, and especially it's especially painful when a pitcher is going to get taken out regardless of the outcome, and he's only in for one batter. For me, yeah, there's plenty of other things I would rather watch than a pitching change. And so it takes far too long, I think. I don't have a big deal with the strategy element, but why can't a pitcher come in and maybe only throw three pitches? Why does he need six? I just don't get it. It, the The league and the mounds should be pretty well standardized. If they're not, they should fix it. They maybe allegedly, you know, pitchers are divas. They're always going to have, you know, argue with like the feel and all that when it comes to throwing off a different mound. Get over it. I, I don't like that. Come in the game. Be ready. It, the game is so advanced now with the technology. I don't need to be wasting my time watching you throw your warm-up pitches, especially when no matter what happens, you're coming out. That's something I can do without for sure. I completely agree with you. Um, I've always actually kind of been baffled at the... Uh, the, the ritual of the relief pitcher getting five minutes to warm up and waste everybody's time on the actual game mound. 
uh, when presumably that's all he's been doing the last 20 minutes, you know, since he's gotten the gotten the call, warming up in the bullpen. So not a pitcher myself, so <laughs> don't understand that diva aspect as you put it. I like that, by the way. But yeah, that that's always been uh, intriguing, I guess to put it to put it lightly. But yeah, really, what we've seen over the last 10 years, in addition to some of these these uh, offensive changes, you know, we're talking about the length of the game. It, it's a it's a it's 20 minutes longer these days than it, than it was 10 years ago. And a couple of years ago, uh, baseball implemented uh, some restrictions on mound visits, which initially worked. But last season, we saw a bit of a, a bit of a spike again. Do you have any thoughts on what uh, what that might be about? Because I I don't have any data where I, I couldn't find any data that that really that, that supports that uptick because the the measures were clearly implemented to to have the opposite effect, but didn't quite work out at least not in the long term. And if that's something that uh, and I'm spring this one on you, but yeah, so I think it what you're seeing is. Ultimately, while you still have the mound visit restriction, during the main bulk of the game, there isn't going to be a great need for using those mound visits, unless someone is really struggling. But then after, I forget which inning, and then if you go into extra innings, you get additional visits. So I don't think that really is coming into play per se, because on a percentage basis, there's not that many games going into extras. But as far as the overall delay in the game that it's causing, I'm not quite sure. You know, there. I know we have more pitchers. I'm trying to think of the exact rule off the top of my head if when you actually take a pitcher out of the game, if that's actually counted as a mound visit. I don't think so, but I'm not 100% on that. I think the mound visit itself is strictly if you're going out to talk to go over something. So when you take a pitcher out, I don't think it's actually reducing that number. And if it's not, then you continue to have absolute freedom on just continuing to cycle out pitchers as many times as you want if it's not driving that number down to where you could effectively run out. And if that's the case, we know those pitching changes take a while. And if you're doing doing a high number of them per game uh, on both sides, then the game is going to get longer. Yeah, agreed. And we'll see, like you mentioned earlier, we've got, you know, we're going to see this new three batter minimum or uh, inning ending stipulation put on relief pitchers now, right? So we'll have, we'll have some more, some more data to support or refute whether or not these, these adjustments that baseball is making are in fact productive to shortening the length of the game. But I do think that is, that it is a significant factor in, in the popularity. I can't speak much to you know, TV schedules and advertising and commercials and all the other things that kind of go into packaging up a television broadcast of uh, of a baseball game. But I assume there is uh, the shorter they can make that, the better that that that's going to be. And then we look at the uh, visitation side; people actually patronizing uh, a baseball game. No one wants to be at a game for you know that's going to be three and a half hours, particularly on a weeknight when they've got to work or go to school or whatever it is the next day. You know, I've did that once or twice in high school. Took the uh, took a road trip down to Cincinnati, which is about an hour drive from Dayton, and uh, caught a caught a weekday game toward the end of the school year. But they were uh, you know always end up coming back by by midnight or something. If uh, the game had ended up being four hours, certainly something that I would have would have left early for. And I think a four hour game, or well, the data tells me that a four hour game was more likely to occur these days than it was back when I was in high school in the uh, early 2000s. 
So another thing, I think, a factor in the length of the game that I'm a little sensitive to are the, uh, this is just, a, a th not baseball specifically, but I'll, I'll get into some points why baseball bothers me more than other sports, but instant replay is a factor in lengthening the game. By, by definition, it's going to, right? you got to take time out to have everybody huddle up and take a look at camera and get on the horn with, you know, uh, the bureaucrat from elsewhere and uh, have them make the determination on whether or not the call you made on the field was, was correct or not. And that whole process is going to take a little while. And then if it's exceptionally long because there's other things involved and we get into pitcher divaness and they've got to rewarm up and all this other kind of crap. So I am interested to hear your thoughts on replay and, uh, you know, technology and officiating baseball in general. Uh, a little bit more to elucidate uh, the fan base on my background. Playing was obviously uh, important and part of my part of my upbringing, but officiating was as well. It was one of my first jobs. I think when I turned uh, 10 years old or so, I got a gig umpiring just local local games in uh, in Tip City. So you know the only stipulations were uh, couldn't couldn't call games where my friends were playing. Other than that, you know, kids pretty much the same age. I'm out there calling balls and strikes and outs and safes and everything else and uh, really learned a lot from that experience, including the first time uh, having to defend my my interpretation of the rule or my interpretation of the play to a grown adult coach who vehemently disagreed with me and, you know, not quite Lupinella, but got pretty aggressive with a, with a 10-year-old me. So that was a, that's a, that's a stark memory in, uh, in my lexicon. Did he kick dirt on you? <laughs> he was... He was pointing his finger, and you know the spittle was coming out of the out of the face. I'll, uh, like I said, short of short of a loo because he didn't kick any dirt. But um, did you toss him? <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> um, I wish I'd have thought about it earlier because <laughs> he was uh, he was definitely being out of line. But at the you know for a ten year old, you know adults are adults are correct, right? And uh, I knew that I was right on the on the call, and he was he was upset. I don't know if it was uh, you know it was his daughter's team, so. Yeah, that was it, it. Was it was a it was a strange predicament, uh, a, an unusual one for for young Ben. I'll just say that. So with that upbringing, um, officiating has always been a part of the game that I admire, and the professional umpires are fantastic. And I think we're seeing in this current state of the game where their role is kind of being is being reduced. Um, I think there's no other way around it. It's uh, since. Since replay was first implemented, which was in recent memory, I can't recall the specific here. But since then, if uh, you know, we'll, we'll see more and more of it. I think in the future, what we'll see is more and more technological implementations that are going to render officiating crews impotent on the field and unable to control not only the calls of the game, but I think it factors into again my point: the pace of the game because all these breaks take time. So personally, to Put it out for the for the fans here. My my view is very much in line with the you know the old papal infallibility. The umpire is correct. Whether or not the call is technically right or not, and I know this is an old school kind of purist position, but he calls it a he calls it a ball. It's right down the right down the pike. It's a ball. I'm sorry. What are your thoughts? Um. So I would say I've been slowly opening up. Initially, I was definitely very resistant even to something as simple as replay. Ultimately, I think as a fan, what I decided was I want to see the truest game. But at the same time, I did have a lot of respect for the umpires, and I always viewed that as an essential element of the game, and that's part of what makes it fun. You have some 
horrendous calls out there in the past that have become so iconic that for days and and even years later, you know, Greg touched on this in his episode with Jim Joyce blowing the perfect game call. And while it's sad that that got taken away, everyone does have the solace of knowing, yes, okay, this actually was a perfect game. It didn't fall that way. Unfortunately, no one wants that. You know, he was in tears the next day and Thankfully, that pitcher was very gracious about it, you know, and and there's worse things. But it's something that I think as far as a fan is concerned, it continues to facilitate discussion. On the flip side, when it comes to the business of baseball, those teams want to know they're in it to win it, right? That's all that matters. And that's kind of how we're seeing the game evolve now, getting maybe a little too technological and maybe maybe too machine-like even in some ways, but I'm slowly opening up. The only issue I would have is creating further delays because I know the pace of the game has been such a big issue that MLB is mindful of and strongly believes that it is linked to some of the lack of popularity as of right now. So I guess I would proceed with caution. What's nice with baseball is that you have a minor league system where you can vet a lot of this stuff and see the reactions both from the players and the fans. You know, it's not maybe it's not as as on a massive scale, uh, just with the attendance and all that, and and the uh, the weight of those games don't mean the same. You know, and, and and the dollar values that are hinging on that are not not nearly the same either. I guess you know I'm slowly opening up. I do think. W- Baseball does need to be careful in terms of how it will delay the game because when I have to sit and watch a manager at the top of the dugout look over his shoulder to see if, okay, yeah, we're going to challenge this or not, I think that's kind of silly. Let's make it more exciting. Hey, give him like 10 seconds, that's it. If that, or just, yeah. It, 10 is reasonable, I think, just to like maybe get off your ass and up, up to the top and like get the umpire's attention. But, you know, let's make it a a gut decision Uh, because one thing that replay has done is the things that haven't been detected by the naked eye of the umpires are now influencing the outcomes of games in that players can momentarily come off a bag and as the fielder has been instructed to keep or maintain a tag, the instant no no body part is touching the bag, now that call can go the other way. And that's the part that I think I hate the most, is that's, that's kind of crazy, because without the ability to slow down the video to such an extreme like that, there's no way you would detect that. I, if anything, my resistance to it is I don't want the game to be about the technology. I think it has a great place in it and can continue to have a positive but when you have players that can go down into the clubhouse immediately after a strikeout and review that video and see, yeah, that you know that ball that he called me out on was actually several inches off the plate, you know, that's BS. I'm gonna tell him about it my next at bat. I think that it's distorting the game in in some ways that I think could ultimately be be negative. Yeah, those are some uh, some interesting points, and I think the the part of your argument that I'm sympathetic with. I think uh, that that mindset that uh, that I wholeheartedly share are a bit of a dying breed. And I think we've already opened the Pandora's box here by um, allowing replay in any in any form. It's only going to continue 
to be more prevalent as we continue to work out uh, the kinks. You know, I think the timeline thing with the managers, you know, looking over the shoulder, the, the, some of these delays are going to become a little more streamlined, particularly if um, baseball decides to implement a, a, a time restriction to calling a, a review, which I think is a good idea, uh, you know, if we're going to have it to begin with. But all these things will, uh, you know, uh, kind of work themselves out, and it's particularly with baseball's emphasis on speeding up the game. So I think we will see that, but we're already being trained to it. We have the we have the strike zone available to us on every single pitch, and uh, you know the the announcers that is a point of discussion on every single pitch, particularly when it's not called uh, in the way that the radar indicates or the way the the Fox box displays. So uh, I think it's only a matter of time, which which makes me sad. But uh, I'm I'm sure that they'll they'll find a way to to implement it quickly and to, to everyone's or well to, to most people's satisfaction. But 15 years down the road, when people are listening to to this podcast, which will be uh, I'm sure the number one in uh, internationally with all all things baseball, we'll be like, what the hell are they talking about? Freaking strike zones and umpires and stuff. This has been they settled this score a long time ago, so hopefully this, uh, this won't be too antiquated. But um, what's an umpire? <laughs> yeah, what's an umpire? Yeah. So when we're talking about this, and you brought up a point uh, from the player, and I guess I want to pick your brain as uh, you know, you're much uh, from the player's aspect, um, since you played a lot more than I did and much more successfully than I did. Seeing that, understanding that it's a subjective thing, balls and strikes, and you think a call goes the wrong way, how that affects your your psyche and then you know the way you interact with that potentially that umpire the next time or your teammates or or the catcher and then if the second part of that if you now know that the balls and strikes are completely objective would, would that change that uh, like your reaction to that at all as a player as a, yeah from the from the mindset of a player so you think uh, you know, um, blue calls something a strike that you you disagreed with you thought it was over the plate uh, gives you something to fume about and think about right. But now, if you know balls and strikes are objective according to the to the to the radar, would that how, how do you think that would affect your mindset, or do you think this is a kind of negligible, not a not a dugout discussion item? Um, for me, I guess I would at first I would probably be skeptical because even now I'm still skeptical of what I see on TV with the strike zone box, just because the way the TV formatting is. For the majority of parks, there's an offset, and it's hard to tell if the box that's being displayed is accounting for that angular offset as far as what is a ball and a strike. Just based on the visuals, it's hard because there's an illusion there and to try and recreate that in your head to put on a straight view, uh, you know, a straightaway look, it's kind of impossible. So as of right now, I'm skeptical even for what I see on TV as to the validity of the accuracy of those calls. As a player, I would actually be somewhat concerned, uh, and I came across an article, I'll put a link uh, to that article in, in the blog that corresponds with this episode, but it has a few different displays, and basically what we see uh, on the graph is that the strike zone, as it's called per the umpires, their, uh, their subjectivity of the zone is actually a lot, tends to be quite a bit wider than you would expect. And where I fear the negative impacts being is that uh, hitters, I think, will be surprised just how high and low the zone 
will go. And while a hitter may want every call to be perfect because no one wants to get cheated out of an at bat, and nor does nor does the pitcher want to lose any strikes that are in fact in the zone uh, that get called a ball. I think it will greatly favor the pitcher because if the rule stands as is and the strike zone remains the size that it is, it's actually quite large. And so as you'll find in the article that I'll post, you have the plate 17 inches and then a baseball is roughly three inches in diameter. Um, I'm rounding here. It's it's a little bit less, but for, for ease of the math. So if you take the half ball width that it effectively can be off the plate in order to still cross the boundary. You have an inch and a half, and so that would extend on each side. So effectively, now the zone is 20 inches across. And I think that's okay if you look at the graph in the article. It seems like that's what's being called already. No big deal, in some respects anyway. Plenty of batters will be upset. But the height is what I think will really be an issue, just how high and how low the ball can go and still be called a strike. And for many who consider this a game of inches and will even take it to a game of millimeters, which I still think is equally valid, that's a big difference, I think. What you have to cover as a hitter is pretty enormous. And so if the strike zone stays as is, I think hitters will be surprised just how much they have to cover and will maybe uh, wish that they had an umpire back behind the plate still calling those balls and strikes in a way that kind of helps mitigate a more effective zone for them. Yes, it's sad, uh, you know, there's going to be calls that get missed. That's the human error and element of the game, and I I think that's totally okay. The umpires are quite good. We get on their case now because we have this information available to us where if you take that box away, those arguments become much more difficult to make. But because we have that overlay on the screen, it's so easy to criticize every single pitch. And so, yeah, I think hitters will be surprised. And no hitter has the ability to cover every quadrant well, even Ted Williams. Uh, there, If you look at his distribution, that lower outside corner, it was still, that was the place you could get him out. No hitter can cover all of it. And if you keep it completely objective, the zone is huge and hitters are not going to like that. That's kind of my take on it. I'm for it in some respects as a fan, just to never have a missed call, but as a player, I think the batters especially will be will be surprised, and they will, you know, because they do have a good sense of the zone. When I see them have their issues on the spot at the plate, yeah, a lot of them are pretty good at knowing those imaginary limits, you know, because there's no actual box to look at while you're up there, but when you see them have a fit, like, I would say it's a, it's at least an even split of, like, who's right and who's wrong. When it comes to that, I would say proceed with caution. If you're a player, uh, you might be surprised. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I've, uh, as a as a total spectator, I have been thoroughly impressed with the hitter's ability to uh, recognize at least those uh, have a feel for those dimensions, and it makes sense. You know, when you're playing at that level, uh, understanding you know where the strike zone is, and you know when a call gets missed, and I find that, that I find that excitement or that that moment exciting uh, as a as a player. And before, you know, I'm, I'm probably pissing off some of your fans here. You know, um, oh, this guy's a, you know, joker, doomsday prepper. He wants balls <laughs> to be strikes and strikes to be balls. And I, I assure you, I didn't I didn't break out of Arkham. I, I just want, I think the base, the umpire's position in the game of baseball is sacrosanct. And the training and professionalism of, of uh, 
really all those individuals is of, of great caliber. And I think even when you see the technological uh, assistance for the viewers, how many of those calls are made correctly, it's really astounding. But I think that's part of the game, having that, that subjectivity in human, in human variable. I want them to get it right 100% of the time, but I don't want a machine to be making that call. I think having blue behind the plate or right next to first making those calls is all part of it. And um, I would be sad to see that go away. I think that's a, a, a critical and important part of the game for me. Certainly when I was you know, growing up playing and then when I wore the blue shirt as a young, young boy and then as a spectator too. So that's, that's a, those are my thoughts on the, on the matter. And like I said, hopefully I didn't uh, frustrate too many of your fans here because I do think that unfortunately that this is where, what we're going to see is uh, electronic officiating. We might, have, we might continue to have that umpire behind the plate to do the, the cadence, but you know, there's going to be some sort of buzzer or tool that's going to alert them whether or not it was a ball and strike, and they're just kind of sitting there as a, a moderator, if you will, which I guess could might, might placate the people like me for, for when we finally get to that, um, cross that bridge, I suppose. Yeah, what I would like to see, and this would be several years away at least, now the experimenting is based on a relay system of someone in a booth or something like that, evaluating the objective zone and then relaying that call to the umpire through some sort of earpiece or whatever. What I don't like about that is there's going to be a delay. And there are certain plays that the call kind of has to be made quickly in terms of perhaps a strikeout or something like that, a foul tip, whatever. What I would like to see if would be is, is uh, if they had special goggles that provided that 3D zone for them and was programmed to each player and basically like got its information wirelessly that way. And so that way, when Jose Altuve comes up to the plate, he's got his modified zone to fit him exactly. And then when Aaron Judge comes to the plate, he's got his own zone that's modified to him as well. And then if it's essentially you know, a HUD, a heads-up display that the umpire can see because of the goggles he's wearing, he can make the call immediately there and see the ball actually pass through that. I think that would be really cool. I don't know the exact possibility of that. It's kind of a dream. But that would be the way I would like to see that happen because I do want the umpire there making the call for himself without any significant delay. And certainly it's possible with the rate technology progresses these days, uh, it would still clearly be several years away, if not many years away uh, from that happening. But that would be the way I would like to see it go down should, should baseball continue to pursue this electronic strike zone. I think your imagination is probably in line with what uh, we'll end up seeing. I think the, the state of affairs today, it, it would have to be some sort of buzzer like uh, you and I were already talking about, but I didn't think about uh, a heads-up display that you know, would make the most sense. And I guess kind of keep that, uh, that passion on, the, on the, the, you know, the backwards K. That's always, I, I always love seeing that, how different guys are going to call that one, you know, what kind of arm flare they're going to do and fist pump and whatever else to, to sell that to watch strike three. Oh, you gotta have a good punch out, man. <laughs> exactly. That's half the fun. If you're if you're going down, I need a solid punch out from the umpire. Yeah, let's keep it fun. Indeed.